If you plan to study medicine, apply for the U.S. Army's Health Profession Scholarship Program and launch yourself into a medical career like no other. It offers full tuition and the support of one of the largest, most advanced healthcare networks in the world. A career of innovative medicine without a lifetime of debt. That's the Army difference. Learn more at GoArmy.com slash tuition paid. Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, there is a nice piece of stock music playing behind me that a talented composer worked really hard on. So let's enjoy it. almost overshadows the saving big when you switch to progressive part progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates today with Molly McLaughlin, and we're going to talk about sleep, which uh, is very, very important, correct? Correct. Yes, certainly I'm biased, but uh, <laughs> you're certainly <laughs> preaching to the choir with that one, for sure. I know, right? It's kind of like, but, uh, but even though I think like for us, and I'm a big proponent of it, why is sleep still such a difficult thing for people? And maybe getting worse for a lot of people. Yeah. So... One of the reasons that I call this company sleep is a skill um, is is really not meant to be something that's particularly ironic, even though it can land as ironic. It seems, you know, something that we're born capable of doing. Um, but I call it sleep as a skill because in our 21st century, um, I am very adamant that at this point in in the way that we run our lives, um, it really has become a skill set because of the fact that the way that we're living is so counter to how we would have conducted ourselves years and years um, in the past. Back in you know hunter gatherer days is often kind of our template to look at how sleep, um, how we related to sleep versus how we relate to it now in the society in which we live in. So today, what we're experiencing is that so many people are fundamentally uh, functioning on a weakened circadian or have a weakened circadian rhythm. And I think one of the important things to uh, stand um, within is uh, the understanding that our circadian rhythm can be both, uh, exists on a spectrum and it can either be weak or strong. And 
if we, the more and more that we live outside of kind of the rhythms of nature and not from like an airy fairy perspective, but from a literal, like what time and consistency are you exposed to sunlight, to certain changes in uh, temperature, uh, your meal timing, your exercise timing, all of these things, if they are upside down to our diurnal ways of being, you know, really meant to be active during the day and at rest at night, the more and more we are, um, you know, living outside of that the more people are going to have difficulty with sleep. And I think uh, the trouble is so many people, it's not as if, and certainly this is my part of my story, this whole company came from my own issues with sleep. Um, and I really wasn't aware of how many things that I was doing day in, day out that would be negatively impacting my sleep. I had no clue. So I think that's the place to begin is all the things that we're doing uh, that we aren't even aware of or their blind spot that is impacting the quality of our sleep. So let's start to break it down a little bit here. Some pretty uh, regular things that people are doing to maybe sabotage or not give themselves the best opportunity for sleep, kind of basic, and then we'll dive a little bit deeper. You know? Sure. It's funny you use the word sabotage. Actually, one of the assignments that I have people do uh, within our course is called um, Sleep Sabotagers List. So we have 17 mm. areas of life and, you know, and not to make it so, you know, heavy duty from a word choice perspective, but, uh, you know, just some of these things that we might be um, partaking in and habits that are really impacting our results. So, uh, yeah, so to pan out one of the main frameworks that we come from is something known as circadian rhythm entrainment. And that entrainment process is a, uh, a number of time givers that the body is connected to, that these time givers will influence uh, all, uh, or not all, but the, some of the functionality of um, what the body is doing at what time, since it is operating on this rhythm. Uh, so within that framework, what the number one biggest thing that will impact that um, that rhythm is light. So we do a lot with light and our understanding of both the timing that we're exposed to certain types of light and when and duration, as well as um, on the flip side of light, the amount of darkness that we're exposed to, the timing of that and duration and uh, you know the the when of that. And so that light is number one since it's impacting. Um, our suprachiasmatic nucleus, or it's, you know, our master clock. Um, and so fundamentally that's going to keep us on, on time or, you know, maybe a weekend relationship to time. Um, and then also our peripheral clocks, uh, then are impacted by a number of other things. So the second in line being temperature, but so body temperature, of course, ambient temperature, but then things that we're doing that will impact our body temperature, uh, around say meal timing, um, exercise timing and a number of other things there. And I would say, um, the meal timing one is probably one of the more challenging ones for people to uh, shift from what I've seen as far as from a behavioral perspective to move back um, our meal timing. Our aim is to often have it be within something called circadian rhythm, um, intermittent fasting, so that you're eating within as much as possible within sunrise and sunset and really not eating past sunset. Mm. Um, and so that can be really, really a game changer for people when they do, uh, partake in that as far as the quality of their sleep, 
but also just from a social perspective, it can be kind of challenging for people to make happen or just a shift in, um, you know, the scheduling of your day. But that one can make a big, big difference as well. And then, of course, there's, you know, from a chronopharmacology perspective, uh, different drugs that we might be taking, of course, very popular drugs like the timing of our caffeine or um, alcohol and what that can do to even just on that topic of uh, body temperature, but then a number of other things. Uh, so really going in deep of um, kind of putting our schedule under a microscope and seeing, is it aligned with that circadian rhythm that we're looking to, uh, you know, optimize for, or is it really uh, in impairing our, um, uh, our goals as far as improving that sleep? So let's talk about deeper the light aspect of it. So we're discussing light related to kind of artificial light versus light uh, naturally occurring outside. Um, like, in your, uh, how do you equip yourself light wise to have better sleep? Yeah. So um, there's a great annual conference. Um, I just was, of course, now everything's virtual. So it was a virtual conference of sleep 2020. And it had all these great, you know, sleep researchers and, um, you know, uh, doctors specializing solely in sleep. And one of the biggest slogans of this entire thing this year was bright days, dim nights. And really, Mm. so uh, the reason that that's so important is that uh, we're finding more and more that this uh, the dosage and the type of light that we're having is really has a profound impact on, uh, you know, a number of things as it relates to specifically in this conversation, sleep and circadian rhythm. So we're looking to have a solid ratio between the, the, the max amount of brightness and intensity in, in the measurement system of the lux output that you're exposed to of the light in your environment, uh, during the days, maximizing that as much as possible. And then in the evenings then really shifting down to, uh, when, when we say dim, the suggestion is actually, and I'm, I'm talking even from like sleep researchers, people that working with NASA as far as um, astronauts keeping them on their circadian rhythm and very important, um, you know, uh, big ticket <laughs> conversations. And yet one of the suggestions is literally candlelight. I mean, it's like, can you get any more oh. simple than that? Um, and having post-sunset um, ideally just switching over to candlelight, which is a crazy thing that with all of our high tech options, that's yeah. one of the suggestions. Um, but then, you know, so some people will roll their eyes to that and they won't do that. So if you're a no for that, then the next in line is actually, as I'm talking to you, I have a red light on. Um, uh, so you can do kind of red light or you can do, um, a next in line. So the, the next best thing is if this is all in a spectrum, candlelight being best, then uh, red lights, then incandescent lights would be another one that has more of a warmer spectrum of light. And then on the absolute worst side of this of this um, spectrum of what not to do would be all the fluorescents, the LEDs, um, you know, all those lights that are right outside many people's bedrooms windows with the LED lights or the street lights and all of that. We want that out, 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 out because um, that falls in the dynamic or the domain of um, what they call static lighting versus dynamic lighting. And dynamic lighting in different studies, we've been able to see if if you have that dynamic lighting where you're getting a 
lots of um, bright full spectrum light during the days. And then it shifts down to that very dim to then, of course, when you're sleeping, no light, then that's in the domain of that dynamic. And the production of melatonin is so augmented. It's just crazy. Um, versus when you see static lighting where, you know, you're really exposed to the same type of light all day into the evening and then go to sleep. Um, and then the melatonin is just, it, it just looks, and it's night and day, no pun intended. Um, yeah. So so getting connected to this light conversation is going to be a really big thing. But even if this feels too like heady or what have you, then if you get nothing else out of what this, you know, out of this conversation, it would be to start your day with uh, getting real sunlight on your, both on your eyes and on your skin first thing in the morning because that will act as something called sunlight anchoring and will anchor your day um, from one, a perspective of just helping to orient your uh, the strength of that circadian and the rhythm, the consistency of it, um, but then it also has kind of a cause and effect relationship from the first point of having that bright sunlight exposure. You can anticipate that then um, that will that will impact the time that you'll get sleepy later on in the evening. So you can mm. also strategically use this. So like I'll work with different um, professional poker players and they might have like late night tournaments. So they actually want to be more alert later on. Uh, so then we'll strategically not expose them to sunlight until later on in the day, because that will mean that you'll get sleepy later. So there's a really real, um, you know, impact based on the timing that we do this. So just looking to, really, again, put that microscope over your day and design it in a way that's going to help your biology. I always think about like the, the dim evenings. Um, my wife and I are really into kind of the, that Huga aspect mm. of things through yep. like, cozy. you know, um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so a cozy, like you're kind of a Nordic Danish culture. Yes. Um, one, it just, it feels very relaxing. Like I'm in my studio that I have for my podcast. I have this one light and it's very warm and gives it that Huga feeling, it actually makes me feel more relaxed. I hate yes. bright lights. Like I just Good. don't like it. But what would you do with somebody who's in, let's say one of those type of countries or yes. in a place, like even I'm in Washington state where in the wintertime, it doesn't, the sun's really not out to like 8.30, 9 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. You know? I totally hear that. So I actually just wrote a newsletter. I do a weekly newsletter um, every Monday. And uh, just yesterday's was on the 37th parallel. Um, so the 37th parallel, uh, you know, across, across the globe, if you live north of the 37th um, parallel north, uh, basically, if you're above that, then uh, that is so basically past December for most, um, certainly within, um, and, and Western states or, or countries, then, um, it can be very challenging to get sufficient vitamin D, uh, during those winter months. Uh, if you are in that domain, unfortunately the, so geographical, um, so from a geography health perspective. So, if we, if we do find ourselves in one of those regions, then one, um, you absolutely want to maximize for the amount of time that you can get outside since it's so few and far between the amount of, you know, the time that you can be exposed to sunlight and also the sun itself is going to be way less powerful than it might be say on the equator. Um, but so you want to still set up your days so that you can still be exposed to as much natural light as possible. Um, but then what do you do to augment that? So, um, there are some light boxes. We don't love, you know, we certainly want to, uh, be a proponent of the natural approach, but 
to your point, in certain areas, it just kind of can be very, very challenging. In certain areas, we'll have darkness for an entire like month, um, you know, depending on where you might fall in those regions. So uh, there's actually a spurty uh, light box that is FDA cleared, and it will actually, it's one of the few that will help um, with the generation of vitamin D from a light box, which is very rare. Um, most of them are not going to do that. But um, so that's one, and even insurance will cover some of those. Uh, but then if beyond that, you can get some light boxes. Uh, I would also offset some of the impact of that with red light because normally in nature, you wouldn't be exposed to just high amounts of blue light. Uh, they would always be coupled with uh, the full spectrum and particularly infrared light, which can be more healing. Um, and from a literal perspective, not like woo-woo, but from, you know, like a wound healing speed um, perspective in different uh, studies can be really important there. So if you can pair those two, like the red light um, from a therapeutic perspective with uh, light boxes, that can help as well. And then so you'd want to dose that, but you'd want to um, have that ideally – uh, from a timeline of in the early morning, uh, along with when you want to, depending on what time you want to go to bed, then you would align that with when you're first exposed to that. But then of course, uh, you know, just like any kind of drug, which really light is, you don't want to overdo it either. So you want to make sure that you have that, um, when, when the natural sunset time would happen that you want to then switch over for sure to that very dim evenings. Um, and yes, that kind of Scandinavian cozy vibe that you're speaking to. Um, yeah. there's a reason why we feel more relaxed with that because those, the bright blue lights are excitatory There's dopamine response. Um, you know, from a kind of psychological perspective, it makes sense in those big box stores to be, you know, flooding you with lots of that blue light because, you know, it can be almost like disorienting and suddenly, you know, yeah. you know, from a, from a kind of not to be like conspiracy theory, but, you know, from a, a perspective of like, suddenly, wait, why am I buying hundreds of dollars worth of things at Target or oh, what my. have you, you know, so, <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that, you know, but it certainly will keep you alert. It will keep you awake. You're not going to, um, you know, it's, it's a whole different vibe than to your point, that nice cozy candlelit, um, experience. So it's going to change your, uh, psychology. What do you think about like those blue light blocking glasses that you may, what, what's the effectiveness level of things like that? Yeah. So, um, those can be really, really helpful if you are going to be in environments, um, and most of us will be that will still have, um, kind of alien light sources, meaning like, you know, light sources that you wouldn't be exposed to in, in nature. Uh, so, and most of us will, because of course, you know, uh, as much as I'm kind of, um, saying that part of our sleep problem is related to tech, uh, tech can be so fantastic. And, and actually in a lot of ways, um, you know, so my company is very tech based. I have every single person wearing sleep, um, trackers and, um, you know, a lot of kind of tech elements that can really help gamify this conversation too. So not meaning to villainize that. So that's where things like blue blockers can come in. So if you still want to watch whatever game of Thrones or something, um, then you can sit, still watch that. And then, um, the most, the kind of most impactful element of that light is blocked, um, through the eyes. So of course we're speaking with the fact that that master clock, um, in the brain is directly connected to 
um, to your eyes. And so we want to protect that part uh, most. Of course, you still are going to be impacted to a degree on the light that's hitting your skin since, the again, the photoreceptors in your skin are still sensing the the time and the light. But um, the, the biggest bang for your buck can be the the eyes and covering that. And, um, you'll absolutely, you know, notice that difference if you're getting solid blue blockers, the difference is, and I think this is where from a consumer perspective, it's gotten a little hairy is that, um, there's a lot of clear blue blockers on the market now, which, you know, can have their, um, you know, benefits when you're on computers during the day, but it won't make the difference that we're looking to make in the evening. So they actually have to be much dorkier than the <laughs> clear ones, unfortunately. And you have to kind of go with the either orange ones um, or the red ones. And the red ones will block, uh, depending if, if they're tested and what have you. Um, so you can usually get lab reports on different ones or just verified testing um, if it's a reputable company. But the red ones will block both uh, blue and green light spectrum, and both of those can be disruptive to melatonin production. So that can really help. Uh, but you're also going to want to still shift your environment too. But those can be great if you find. I know it's weird and you know, t in our current situation with, uh, lockdowns and pandemics and what have you, most of us are it, much less of those social interactions than maybe there had been before, but presumably if those are returning, um, those can be a way to still engage in social functions, but then, uh, not really screw with your sleep as much as, um, unfortunately many other people are, uh, experiencing that aren't, um, aware of this. That's, I think it's fascinating because, I there, I think there's a way to live in both worlds, you know, to get good sleep and also enjoy the benefits of technology. And I just wonder about these glasses and stuff. I mean, you don't know whether you're getting ripped off or not if you have don't don't have the knowledge behind it or if this is, you know, the right thing. Like I've seen ones that are like orange tinted or and things. I'm like, is this good or not? I mean, I don't know, <laughs> you know. Yes, uh, totally. Um, there's actually a website on um, Blue Blocks as a one company that has uh, red light, uh, not red light, uh, red lenses. And on their website, there's actually a uh, page where you can, I believe it's on theirs, um, where you can pull up. It's almost like a little test. So if you're wearing your blue blockers, then certain things should, um, cancel out. So like the colors, so you shouldn't be able to see certain colors. Like an example, I literally just got a, um, voice note from a client this morning who had just gotten her, um, blue blockers. And she, the night before she was making like evening tea and the kettle had that little blue light on to signal that it was on. But she had the blue blockers on. She's like, "Why well, won't this thing turn on?" Because she, because they actually were working, and you it canceled. You literally cannot see the blue light. Um, so that's a sign that it's working. So the same with that page. Um, I believe again, it's on Blue Blocks, uh, but there's certainly other websites too where it's just a little test, and so it should be able to cancel out anything blue. Huh. That's I think it's good information because there's you know asking people to just like, well, just don't do it. They don't watch stuff and things. I don't know that people are just going to abstain from things in the evening time. Yeah. You know, just, people are just going to do what they're going to do, but, you know, maybe give them a solution or a way to better get away, better kind of block the light so that it's help at least helping uh, with that. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to get a massive amount of people to change their mind. 
on something and stop using something that's can be fairly addictive to them anyways, you know? <laughs> yes, totally. I mean, and there's, you're for sure going to see more of this. Like there's, um, a company called drift TV that will remove the blue from your TV in the evenings. Um, Whoa. I mean, ugh, yeah, there's, uh, it's insane Really? before. Yeah. There's, uh, you're going to see a lot more of this. It's crazy. It's, it's, that one's like supposed to be like flux or, you know, iris. Um, but for your TV, you know, you might use that for your laptop, but so then that will cover, um, you know, anything you might be watching. But uh, like right before the pandemic, I'd gone to CES, which is one of the largest or used to oh, be yeah. certainly one of the largest, um, yeah, you know, huge. Kind of, yeah, huge, 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 just crazy. Cra I couldn't, there wasn't even possible for it. I went for two days straight and still couldn't see everything that was there, you know, it, it, just in that one sleep section. Um, so it was huge, but there was a sleep tech section, um, that was just enormous with the amount of things that, you know, people are working on, um, to have released around things to improve your sleep because it's becoming such a fundamental problem. So, um, yes, I completely agree with you. And I, I'm a big fan of innovation and, uh, gamification. So the more and more ways that we can kind of live, um, you know, within, within alignment of all this tech, it's like Pandora's box, it's open. Uh, the tech's here to stay at least for, <laughs> for the immediate time being. So yeah. how can we make friends with it for sure? So you also, you were talking a little bit about timing and let's say things like exercise, talk a little bit deeper about that and what, I mean, maybe it's more individualized for people, but maybe what's a good rule of thumb in general in terms of exercise, timing and sleep. Yeah. So the exercise timing, um, is a important one. And I, what I would say about that one is I certainly never want to, um, hinder people or put in the space, a sense of like, Oh, well it's, it's late. So I can't, uh, work out or just my schedule won't make it, uh, happen. So I guess I can't work out because I've actually had clients that will kind of, um, you know, default to that when, and that's certainly not what we're promoting exercise is so fundamental, um, and movement in general to creating great solid sleep pressure, the type of quality of your sleep. So we want to look, um, at how we can fit it into your, into your calendar. Um, but within that, then of course we want to see there's gotta be a way so that you're not working out within at least, you know, four hours before bedtime is our, certainly our goal. Um, other things about the type of workouts. So like I've had clients, um, that would consistently go to the gym after work. Um, and then they would be, you know, covered in all that blue light and getting their heart rate up and getting their body temperature up. Um, you know, and it'd be like an eight o'clock class and all this, you know, stuff that then would keep them all jazzed up and having difficulty then falling asleep. Um, or when they would fall asleep, their heart rate would take longer to kind of stabilize in the evening. So, uh, just the quality of that sleep, uh, not as, as good as it could be. So just tweaking things to move that back a bit or to ensure that your evening workouts are not, you know, you're not being drenched in blue light and, um, you know, the, the activity is not one that's like the, the craziest part of your workout. So I've had some clients that will do um, a more intense workout earlier in the day. And then maybe in the evening they do some light stretching or yoga or some of those good things. Um, but just a very different end result to their both psychology and physiology 
after that. Um, one thing I will put in is that certainly I've still, I get a lot of like biohackers that are always looking to still take it to the next level. So, yeah. um, with that, then one little kind of work around, if you find whatever, something's happened and you're working out a little bit later, ideally we're not making that like a habit, but if that happens, uh, here and there, then you can, um, look at how you can lower your body temperature. So whether from like a cold shower, um, you know, mm. ideally that's not too excitatory. Um, but the, the temperature element of things can really help. And oddly, um, I know this might be confusing, but, uh, warm baths and, um, warm showers first with that are ended with, um, a cold kind of rinse can be a nice happy medium. And oddly that hot oh. shower. Yeah. Can we can, with the process of, of, um, cooling down after that, after all that heat has, um, you know, the, the skin is, has been warmed up with the, the water, um, then the cooling process actually can get us to be cooler core temperature than we would have without the hot shower. Um, so even though that part can be a little confusing for people, uh, that can be another hack that you could bring in to lower that body temperature in the evening. That's a great idea. Just at the stand the cold part of it yes. <laughs> aspect of it exactly <laughs> totally. you get people who are like taking cold showers all the time now and stuff <laughs> oh yeah i know the cold thermogenesis is a big one um so you know practicing like wim hof if you're familiar with him and um or Iceman, as people call him um or just in general, just cold therapy, um, it can be really helpful for um, ATP. And so, um, and, and what we're looking to do for sleep is ensure, that that's why I think it's one of the coolest things to take on because in a lot of ways, we go at it from the lens of improving your sleep, but in order to improve your sleep, we have to really uh, improve our health in general. Um, so, and if you want to keep continuing to improve the quality of the stages of your sleep and really continue to be in that game over the long term, then things like, um, you know, cold therapy and heat therapy can really give an edge um, over time that you wouldn't have if you weren't doing something like that. I mean, it's great advice, I think. So essentially that more of your strenuous workouts in general, you'd rather have them earlier than later in the day. Yeah, exactly. And so this is where it gets into some of the, the testing can be interesting um, from that whole test don't guess perspective. So some people um, that if they're coming to me, they might have had many, many years of difficulty with their sleep and they might have all kinds of crazy things happening with their hormones. Not crazy, but, you know, just challenging things. Um, so whether it's like uh, really flatlining of their cortisol levels at um, times that don't really help for, um, the alignment of improving their sleep. So for instance, uh, you know, like I recently just had a client that their cortisol in the morning was just completely tanked. There was just, their readouts were just very, very low. Um, but then their cortisol would raise later on into the afternoon and into the evening. Um, so obviously that's going to be disruptive for producing melatonin and being able to relax and go to sleep. So, uh, when something like that is happening, then you can layer in things that can help boost, um, you know, kind of the adrenaline and uh, the cortisol that we're looking to kind of help cultivate strategically with your exercise timing. Um, so pulling in exercise earlier on on that morning to kind of help artificially boost that. Um, and that's also when you can layer in that sunlight and, um, you know, all of that, the 
brighter uh, part of your day and raising the body temperature element because we'd want to have our body temperature being high, um, higher during the day because it also works on a circadian rhythm. So all of those things you can strategically play with depending on, um, you know, how your body is uh, reacting to those different hormones right now or producing those hormones right now. Talk a little bit about the the food element, the timing of eating. I think kind of this timing thing is really important in understanding how food plays an aspect into quality sleep. Yes. So that one's really a very cool one, I think, for people. Um, so we recently worked with uh, Levels Health, um, which is a company that is making it uh, more accessible for people to get uh, continuous glucose monitors. So we did a uh, kind of small uh, dashboard of people that were both wearing the continuous glucose monitors and um, Aura Rings. So that's one of the sleep trackers that we'll have people wear and, you know, no affiliation, just it's great products. Um, But as far as, um, you know, that look, it was really really awesome. And many of them, our clients will wear those because it gives a nice window into one, the fact that glucose exists on a circadian rhythm, which I think many of us are not aware of or not as uh, closely attuned to until we see something like, you know, our 24 hour, um, response to both are the foods that we choose to eat, the timing of our exercise, because of course that can impact glucose. Our stress levels can very much impact glucose and our sleep can impact our glucose uh, levels. And of course the relationship to insulin. So um, what we'll see is that a couple key trends is that it tends to be more challenging for people to um, eat later. So the response tends to be more augmented. Say if we have whatever, a sandwich or something, and we have it at 8 a.m. and then we have that same exact sandwich at 8 p.m., what we tend to see is that the 8 p.m. sandwich has a higher spike um, and then that inevitable crash, which can be problematic for um, both, you know, physical, mental health and sleep um, quality. But so it tends to be more um, difficult to, to, to basically process that in later on in the evening versus earlier on. So just some basic things that many people leave with after testing this, and it's all very bio-individual. Some people will have no problem with certain types of foods. Um, and then other people, it's like a big, um, you know, a whole different experience. But um, so that's one reason that can we can see how stable or, um, you know, level are, are your glucose levels. Um, but then we can also then um, plan for that. So that's where that circadian rhythm intermittent fasting can come in. And even if you just move, say, making your dinner to end, um, so you're having your dinner at, say, like 5 or 6 p.m. versus for many people, the 7, 8s, 9s, oh, then I have a snack, then all that stuff. Um, if we have really our last bite of food within that five or six. Um, and I'm speaking in generalities. I know that many people have very yes, different, of course. <laughs> yeah, like bedtimes <laughs> or what have you, but, um, you know, moving that back can really, really make a difference both in, um, the stability of that glucose, but also then so many other factors for your sleep quality. So then as a result, um, 
your body temperature tends to go down. Um, like, and I'll know this too, like there's certain times, you know, if special occasion or it's whatever Thanksgiving was recent or what have you. Okay. We're eating a little bit later and I'll have a knowing that now with my different trackers that my body temperature will go up if I'm eating later, um, that my heart rate will go up if I'm eating later, that it will take longer to stabilize that my HRV, my heart rate variability will tank. Um, my respiratory rate will be, um, will go up. So, you know, having to breathe more throughout the course of the night, uh, just a series of things that if done repeatedly, you know, maybe one off, that's one thing, but if you're doing that every single night, um, then, you know, it's, it's going to have those results that we're not looking to cultivate. Uh, so those are, you know, some of the key things that we're doing with glucose, but, uh, and then of course you can get into the type of foods that you're eating. Um, and you'll see all those with something like a continuous glucose monitor. Um, but even if you don't get a continuous glucose monitor, some things that people will do if they suspect that part of their wakeups are glucose related, which is one of the first things we go to. If you're someone that says, Oh, I, I have a lot of wakeups in the evening. One of the first, um, you know, things to check for can often be glucose instability. So one thing you can do to test with that is see if you're having something to kind of stabilize that blood sugar before bed, this would not be a forever solution, but, um, for now to see if that does help stabilize things you can have, um, for some people it might be like a spoonful of almond butter or a little bit of, um, collagen protein or sweet potatoes or, you know, different things that will kind of, um, you know, help so that we're not having that big crash mid through midway through the night. And then when you have that crash, then there's that cortisol and adrenaline spike. And then suddenly you're up and you're staying up <laughs> for a lot of people, which can be yeah. very, very frustrating. So that can be a way to see if, even if you don't have the monitor, um, if that can help make a difference. Now, is there, uh, an aspect to like having the same bedtime every night that, you know, kind of rituals that are really important for quality sleep? Yes, definitely. That consistency is huge. Uh, so ha and part of the reason for that is that if we look at our healthy sleep architecture, um, the first half of the night is tends to be deep sleep. And the second half of the night tends to be more uh, REM sleep rich and not exclusively, but it's, that's the ratios. Um, so what's interesting is that say, you know, one night you don't go to bed till much later than your normal bedtime. Normally you go to bed at whatever, 10. And then on this night you go to bed at one, the body still tends, um, is still going to aim to keep you on a schedule. So unfortunately what tends to happen is you skip a lot of that, um, deep sleep that you would have gotten, uh, you know, previously to kind of keep you on time so that your, your, uh, ratio of that sleep on that 1am night might just be more rich in REM sleep because that's the one that, um, the period that you would go into. And of course, light sleep, um, that you would go into, into more of those morning hours. So, um, and it can be on the flip side of the opposite way. If you just have a night where, uh, you go to bed really early and then that might be more rich in deep sleep, but then, uh, you find yourself waking up earlier, uh, then you're cutting into your REM sleep. So both sides are very important, um, for overall health and well-being. So one of the best ways to ensure that you're having that nice balance of the two is that consistent bedtime and wake time. And if you were someone that was having difficulty with sleep, um, you know, for 
probably the last couple of decades, really, if you go to someone, uh, go, you know, to, to the doctor to discuss your sleep, then cognitive behavioral therapy, specifically for insom insomnia, so CBTI, um, has been one of the first lines of, you know, kind of treatment for sleep, ideally, although there's a lot of um, sleep prescriptions that have been handed out as well. But, um, you know, from the behavioral standpoint, it's been that CBTI. And one of the primary things that CBTI is looking at is uh, what time are you going to bed and what time are you waking up? and really looking to keep that as consistent as possible. Um, so I like to do that from the gamification standpoint of the sleep trackers. Uh, and none of them are going to be as, you know, at least as of right now, are as solid, obviously, as a polysonogram. But they um, some of the sleep-focused specific ones tend to be pretty solid at um, – just at least knowing, are you asleep or are you awake? They're not great at sleep stages, unfortunately, quite yet, uh, unless they're on the on the head. Um, and there are some that are on the head, but still not quite there yet to, for, you know, everyday use, they're not, um, you know, things fall off and all that sort of thing. So for the right. sleep trackers that you, um, if you're wearing on the, on the hand or wrist, then um, you can tend to get a pretty solid trend idea of what time are you going to bed and what time are you waking up and then wake-ups in between. Uh, and then, of course, um, all of the different biometrics that we can pull from that to get a sense of the quality of that sleep. What's on the horizon with sleep technology? You know, you mentioned like the aura ring and things. What do you think the future of that technology is? Uh, very excited for all that. So actually today, um, one company uh, called the Muse is releasing um, their updates on their, because their tracker is for, supposed to be for meditation and um, kind of getting, because like it said, the brain-based readouts are really, as of right now, are kind of fundamental um, space to look at the quality of our sleep. Uh, so understanding the brain patterns that uh, the brain state that we're in. So just like today, they're really saying um, more sleep tracking uh, around understanding uh, based on the brain. I for sure, see more of those coming our way and making them more and more comfortable so that that can be um, you know more viable option. Uh, so one, seeing that. Two, you're seeing um, this whole Internet of Things concept uh, where there's already mattresses that will um, both track your sleep and cool your sleep, uh, cool your in environment, and then also warm you to wake, which is more reminiscent of what we would have had in hunter-gatherer days because the sun would rise and then the temperature it would warm up in the environment and that would be another signal to wake you up and paired with the, coupled with the light. Um, so more of those, more of the, um, kind of internet of things elements with the lighting. So then the lights go on in a particular time to wake you up. Um, and then also go off at a particular time to wake you up circadian, uh, temperature in your environment. So from a building biology perspective, having, uh, the temperature kind of align with what our body temperature is kind of meant to look like of being nice and warm during the day and very cool in the evening. Uh, and then also some cool stuff around, um, there's already certain companies that will, um, kind of positively reward you, uh, if you are getting solid sleep with your trackers. Um, but then ideas around like linking up your sleep tracker with your 
um, with your car. And if you're too sleep deprived, not being able to drive, um, mm. you know, things around your insurance protection, since it is such a preventative element, um, you know, just, uh, kind of benefits from that perspective. Uh, there is just so much that is coming in that arena. Um, and then even from the light perspective, you're seeing things like, um, sunscreen for working at your computer. <laughs> so like, um, blue lights, <laughs> and this is even in the beauty, uh, industry seeing, um, like makeup that has, um, kind of blue light sunscreen within it. And so it's supposed to be specifically wow. for if you're sitting in front of your computer, um, and, you know, so there's just, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, things that I'm interested in. One that I have um, newly um, been exposed to and like loving this one company called Leaf. Um, and it's supposed to be short for like get relief and they're um, FDA cleared. Uh, so it can be covered under a lot of people's insurance, depending on the insurance provider. But um, it's almost acts as like a continuous glucose monitor that you wear right over your heart. But it will um, kind of it buzzes you if your HRV is starting to dip. Um, and since HRV is really an important metric for sleep, uh, well, it's for a lot of things, but certainly in this conversation around your sleep, because it gives a sense of how just stressed you are throughout the day and into the night. Um, that's been a great way from a behavioral perspective for me to work with clients to see, um, one, just different patterns. So, and I've even seen it for myself. Oh my God, I've been wearing this thing. And, uh, you know, if I get into my email and there's just a ton of emails, then all of a sudden I get a buzz because then mm. my HRV is tanking. Or if I'm looking at my calendar and all the things they got to do, and then oh, suddenly there's a buzz. But what you do is it starts to train you to, then kind of take back control of your physiology to just, it's actually really based in the breath. So then you're shifting your breathing pattern um, to lower your heart rate and bring back up that HRV. Um, so by doing that throughout the day, since our nights are really a mirror of our days, um, then you can often see improvements in sleep over time. Uh, by kind of training some of those things or certainly before bed to shift you into more of that parasympathetic state versus a sympathetic state. Um, so I certainly foresee a lot of those type of uh, things coming. And then even um, things like virtual reality, like Oculus. Um, I don't know if you've seen, they just have been yeah. having all kinds of press. Um, yeah, they've got this very cool uh, supernatural on there where you do like workouts within the virtual world, especially as people are stuck inside because it's been a big problem mm -hmm. for me with different clients is like, oh, well, normally I'd go to the gym and that would tire me out, but now I can't work out or whatever. Um, so suddenly we have like this virtual world where people are you know, able to do full on workouts, um, you know, and tire themselves out. You can hook up your heart rate to that. See how the, um, how high your heart rate's getting during those workouts or boxing or whatever. Uh, and then, you know, the benefits that that can have for your, for your bedtime. Um, but then all of these things can get us back to, uh, for some people concerns around EMFs, um, which is a more controversial topic. Uh, cause every, just about everything I just mentioned has, you know, a lot of EMF output on it. So some people are concerned about that around their sleep. Um, so for some people be the opposite perspective of that. And you're, it's almost like, how can we have versus smart home, like a stupid home basically, um, <laughs> so that you're more kind of like log cabin, um, isolated right. from some of those, all of these items and just back to basics and kind of like candles, 
you know, like very low tech evening routines. Um, so that's, you know, another element or another option as well. Um, so there's a lot, I think that's coming in this area. Um, but ironically, even though we're talking about all this tech, I think all it is, is we're trying to, um, almost get it back to how we used to live, um, yeah. all those for those thousands of years where we're just like, we'd rise with the sun, it would get warm. We would only have a certain amount of hours in the day, almost like the Amish or something now, uh, and to get things done. And then once the sun set, then it was more into shift into like night mode. Then you relax, you'd sit by the fire, you would, you know, whatever, just calming things. And maybe our equivalent, maybe now watching Netflix or something. Um, but <laughs> instead, like, how can we keep that sacred? And for many of my clients that come in, they're like entrepreneurs and um, that alone can be a big challenge to be off, um, can, you know, and just unabashedly and unapologetically just be off and not connected to the email and the phone and the whatever. Um, so even training for that. And that goes in that domain of thought timing. There's an interesting piece of tech um, called EBB, E-B-B. And uh, just mentioning it, not from like, you got to go get it, but more from, it's interesting, they have different clinical trials behind them when uh, the point of that gadget is it cools your prefrontal cortex um, because part of the finding was that for uh, chronic insomniacs, um, seeing that they were having a higher body temperature, but particularly um, in the prefrontal cortex, the brain uh, matter is actually warmer than other people that did not have difficulty falling asleep. So just the cooling of that, of the brain was more helpful to induce sleep. So the reason I mentioned that is just from a perspective of giving you more, um, kind of respect or reverence for even the types of thoughts that we're engaging in, in the evening and training ourselves to kind of, um, if there's those repetitive rumination, um, times in our day, like what can, or in our evening, what can we do to bring it to our days so that we can unpack it, deal with it, um, so that it's not kind of plaguing us during the nights. I mean, this is wild stuff. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. This is, I mean, like, you know, blue light makeup, cooling your right. brain. Like, is this sounds very sci-fi, <laughs> but does, it's reality. Right? It's real. Like, it's real. St- like I heard, you know, I, I like to say like, I pay attention to a lot of sleep based stuff. I've had another sleep specialist on here before. And I think it was like very, it was great conversation. I will say it was, this is like the next level. This is like, there's some surreal stuff going on. What is the reasoning behind this huge resurgence or, you know, acknowledgement of the power of sleep? Where do you see that coming from? Yeah. Um, so one, we know that that's, it's becoming a topic just even from, uh, you know, Google searches and, um, you know, number of just kind of, uh, keywords for sleep, sleep help, sleep remedies, um, sleep aids, all of these things. And, um, so, so we know that this is a problem enough that people are taking an action to go search about it. Um, and then, Two, certainly a, a resurgence or not even a resurgence, but an um, a explosion of the interest around this, I think even paired with um, uncertainty, lack of personal safety or perceived safety as it relates to the pandemic and like financial safety or security or even, um, you know, kind of future uh, elements. So, you know, I know we've talked about a lot more of the um 
the science and the biology of sleep, but certainly there is, you can't ignore the psychological components of the importance of just feeling safe um, is an, you know, an element to being able to be at peace to fall asleep. Um, and even from a tribal perspective, if we, you know, were under attack or perceived that something was wrong, um, that was a survival mechanism to be able to release, you know, cortisol and adrenaline, stay up, protect the tribe, do all the things that you got to do. Um, and so unfortunately, just with some of the things that are happening for, uh, many people right now, then you're seeing this unrest. Um, so there's certainly that, but then I also think, you know, since there, uh, there's that big focus on light, um, there is just so much stimuli, so much, um, activity. So we're trying to like lower our, um, the hurts of our brain throughout the, um, because we're having so much activity during the day and then into the evening can be really challenging to kind of downshift things. Um, especially if you're just still plugged in, plugged in, plugged in. Um, and I think, you know, year in, year out, it's, you know, kind of goes up, not down of the amount of options that we have. Um, so I think there's that, but then I also think, um, the more that sleep has almost become this like luxury item is an interesting Whoa. topic in that, um, you know, so for, <laughs> there's a lot of sleep, uh, kind of trends that have been coming up and yet now the amount of people, more and more people are tracking their sleep. But for quite some time, it was kind of this niche thing that like the biohackers, the people that had the finances or the luxury to do that were doing that. Um, so it became sort of like this new thing because once we got aware of, oh my gosh, because for many of us, if you start actually tracking your sleep, it's kind of can be alarming of- um, It's scary you know, for a lot of yeah, people. <laughs> really, exactly. Um, you know, so, and then that can spur people into action. Action. Uh, and so the the narrative seems to be shifting from a, uh, you know, just grit, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, like, you know, go to bed late, wake up early, um, you know, all of that sort of yeah. the way of that it had been is really shifting to the self-care kind of perspective. Um, then also, I think the, I think uh, we can credit Matthew Walker um, for his book, oh, yeah. Why We Sleep. Uh, for, I have it. I've definitely yes. read it. <laughs> yes. And terrifying people basically in a lot of ways, um, you know, but people I, don't it, sleep though. Like, exactly. I, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know so many people who rarely sleep, like they're sleeping three to five hours max. Yes. You know? Oh, totally. And listen, like part of the creation of um, sleep as a skill for me was because for so many years I did everything not to do with sleep. And I would think, oh, it's mind over matter. Okay. Even if I only got a couple hours of sleep, I can do this. I got this. And it wasn't until I went through my own experience of insomnia uh, to really see what it's like to just not get sleep. And it is not fun. Um, you know, so to see what that looks like and then to see life on the other side of the spectrum of like, you know, consistent uh, solid sleep. It's just night and day. And like, I often joke that now I'm addicted to feeling good, uh, that I'm willing to do the things that I would have mm -hmm. never done in the past. Like, you know, um, very rarely do I, you know, drink anymore, or eat, eat late anymore. And those used to be like part and parcel to like my, um, you know, relaxation techniques or what have you. Uh, and so all of those things that you end up shifting and the shifting of the course of your days to, you know, to improve your sleep, um, become more worth it once you see what it's like to have, to wake up and actually feel like ready to take on the day, which for so much of my life, I didn't even know was an option. Um, 
So, so all that to say that I think, um, there is a shifting of narrative. Um, the other thing I think that was a big, uh, talking point was the realization around, um, not realization, but the, uh, in the studies and the, um, the information that was put out into the mass culture around, um, the problems that can result around sleep deprivation and neurological difficulties. Uh, so, what that can look like is uh, something called glymphatic drainage. And so people might be familiar with lymphatic drainage, but glymphatic drainage is really the uh, cleansing of your brain throughout the night. And if you are not getting adequate levels of deep sleep consistently, then the amount of glymphatic drainage that your brain might be going through um, might be really severely limited. And the problem with that is there can be a buildup of amyloid beta plaques. And we see those very uh, clearly connected um, or, or we see that and looks to be very correlated with things like uh, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and dementia. And previously we thought like, okay, it's either, you know, maybe hereditary or like, oh no, not much you can unfortunately do, but certainly with the sleep conversation, there's a lot that you can do and you can do it decades and decades and decades in advance. Um, you know, so, so the awareness of that, I think is another one that got people spurred into action. And now I think we can credit that kind of biohacker community as well with, um, you know, if you're talking about like nootropics and all these things to improve your focus, productivity, uh, cognition, uh, few things can do that to the level that sleep consistently can. Uh, so I think more the, the we're kind of gamifying this area, the more people are getting into the game. Wow. I mean, there's a, there's a lot to chew on here. A lot going on. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's such a great conversation and you, you bring such a breadth of knowledge to it, the real technical aspect, but also the real simple aspects as well. I mean, Molly, I'm really grateful that you came on and to, to discuss sleep and how important it is, because clearly it is. It's really important. Uh, well, thank you so much for creating the platform to discuss this topic. Um, and, you know, I really stand as a person from a zero judgment zone, because again, I did all the things not to do for sleep for so many years. Um, and, but I, I firmly believe that it can be one of the uh, can and should be one of the fundamental places that we're starting if, if, you know, on this path to wellness for so many of us where you come up on the new year and it's like new year's resolutions and I'm going to work out and I'm going to eat right. But, you know, I think mm -hmm. there's a huge space for sleep to be part of the, um, you know, kind of new commitments and goals and prioritization as well. Most definitely. Well, I look forward for people listening to this and thank you again for being on. Ah, uh, well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the time. So let me ask you something. How do you get your news? Because I know you want to stay informed with what's going on here in the world. There's so much going on on a regular basis. And it's something that's been a problem for me personally. And I've been searching and searching and searching. And finally, I found a news source that I think all of my listeners are going to love. It's called The Donut, or The Dose of News Useful Today. The founder and CEO, Peter Nowak, is a good friend of mine, and when he turned me on to it, I was just blown away. Finally, a daily news source that delivers succinct and factual news about all the world's occurrences, and it's an easy access to finding things that you just want to get information about. 
And it also serves up a lot of positive news stories that you won't hear anywhere else. It's your daily reminder that there is good in the world, even if it doesn't feel like it sometimes. So get the donut, stay informed. It's 100% free. You can unsubscribe anytime. Visit thedonut.co or text donut to 66866 to sign up today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone. Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, radio has been called theater of the mind. So let's tell a story with sound effects. Wow, it's like I was in the story. Almost makes me forget this was supposed to be about saving big with Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.